Hello, everyone, and welcome to the O Studio podcast, where we delve into the art of feeling better. My name is Tim Bateman, founder of O Studio, a New Zealand wellness franchise that's here to help you relax, recover, and improve your health and well-being. Today, Sophie, Maddie, and I are chatting about why people use O Studio. There really is a whole bunch of reasons, so we hope you enjoy. Welcome to the next episode of the O Studio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have had a look at our podcast before, and maybe you've seen some of the artwork, you'll notice that there's actually three people in it. And uh, Tim and I have done a pretty good job at hogging the first couple of episodes, but um, I guess it's nice to formally welcome Sophie to the O Studio podcast. Oh, I'm happy to be here, but I'm happy you've hogged as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have kind of just set me up because I'm in here preparing the stuff for the podcast and you guys have both just done a, gone down an ice bath on me. We needed it today, I think, didn't we? How good, eh? Just getting a nice bath, three minutes, I'm back. In the game, in the game. <laughs> I'm back Get in a coffee, <laughs> definitely. I suppose the, the, the key part of this podcast today really is, um, and that's why you know, getting so involved is sort of the obvious um, thing to do, is, is trying to understand a little bit more about why people use O-Studio, who comes in, why they're making their own time's precious, you know, and choosing to spend that time um, wherever they choose to spend it is, is, is always a tough decision. So why are people coming in here? What are they doing? Why are they using it? Um, and, and yeah, obviously with yourself running the studio for the last two years here in Christchurch, there's no better person to, to get into that. But I suppose, firstly, just wanted to understand a little bit more about you. Um, the listeners here today, I suppose, won't know much about you. You're obviously my sister <laughs> and and um, you've been a part of our studio for a long time now, but maybe give a bit of a background on, on sort of what what brought you here to, to O Studio? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously siblings. Um, I'm just 18 months older than Tim. I think I often feel like I'm kind of four years younger um, in wisdom. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's been a really um, obvious journey, really. It's, I think, the whole concept right from when you started talking about um, Cloud9 right through to uh, sort of the opening of this. Um, it's something that I've been heavily tied into and excited um, from afar. Um, so a bit of background. Um Originally from the West Coast, obviously, Tim and I, and then moved over here um, after having my second child. Um, I started having like quite bad panic attacks, um, and I'd never really enjoyed or dabbled in anything to do with um, wellness, well-being. I, I suppose it wasn't really a thing back then. That would have been 11 years ago, um, or in my circles in particular. Um, and I didn't know what was happening at the start, um, so off to the doctor a couple of times and he um, ran lots of tests and then diagnosed me with panic attacks, which at the time I sort of felt like I was being a a huge hypochondriac. Um, But with that, he also recommended I do a breath awareness course. Um, And for me, that was that moment, that kind of catalyst into the world of lack of understanding that I had around um, breath, the body, um, everything to do with the brain and how we communicate and the ways that we do. Um, so I did the breath awareness course and ha- couldn't couldn't believe that I had got this far without knowing that that's the way that we communicate with the brain and the hormones within our body. Um, and it really just was the beginning of a, a journey there for me into that whole world. Um, I'd done quite a lot of sport through school and childhood um, and had obviously tried things like yoga um, and never enjoyed them. I never understood um, what I was supposed to be sort of feeling and engaging and learning. Um, so it just opened a door of knowledge that um, was exciting for me. So 
Um, our lives, my family's lives, I've got three kids. My husband plays professional rugby. Um, we headed to England um, and we were over there for a long time with our young kids and I never had another panic attack, but I did definitely seek out lots of those practices just to make sure that I was getting the most out of um, those quite stressful parts of our lives. Um, I took parenting really seriously. So I think the pressures I was placing on myself to make sure that I was present and reacting in the ways I wanted to be reacting, um, I felt a sort of a weighted responsibility. Um, and this whole kind of path, I don't like to use those words that sound like it's a bit woo-woo, but just that knowledge I think that could be gathered um, made that whole experience just so much better. Um, and it led me to my um, yoga teacher training um, and then obviously practicing a lot of yoga. Um, I did Vedic meditation training over there as well. And um, I think each time I did something, I met just another network of people who were just really passionate about the same things. And that was just... Where, where was that training? Whereabouts? So I went to Portugal to do the yoga training. Um, and then lucky enough to go to London a couple of times with some workshops down there for the Vedic training and then Bristol-based. So it was... Um, we were lucky that we were in a part of the world where there was lots on offer. Um, and I think even through Will's professional rugby journey, there's been so many um, speakers and coaches and managers and players and just people that he's had wrapped around him. Um, so his shared knowledge with me and obviously the conversations I constantly had with you, it really did just continue to feed that desire to see like what does this space hold. Mm. Um, and then we decided after COVID to come back to be closer to family so the kids had a chance to, to understand that they were New we Zealanders. We were all very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, we were too. And I think it has been, um, our oldest is 17. Um, so I think it was kind of, you know, now or never when we made the decision to come back. So that was just over two years ago. Um, and I, before we came back, had a business in the UK focusing on schools. So I, uh, Wills and I met at teacher training. Um, and I think after I'd kind of had this this um, beginning of knowledge that I'd got, I sort of thought, why why doesn't everyone know this? You know, what better place to start than kids? Um, I love working with kids. Um, over there, it was four to 18-year-olds um, and it had gone really well. And it was really um, personally, I, I enjoyed seeing the impact that it had on... What were um, you doing? So what were you doing? Yeah, so it was, it was a really... Um, Again, probably similar to this, stemmed out of just the fact that I had my own kids, the things that we did at home just to manage emotions and feelings and stress, um, trying to build resilience, um, coupled with the teacher training and my passion for that space, our parents both being teachers. Um, it was a no-brainer that we'd try and build something that was working within schools. Um, and the, we were in Gloucestershire, and so Gloucestershire, Herefordshire, um, you know, the surrounding counties, um, incredibly receptive to that kind of learning. I think there's um, there's a real understanding that there's a need um, in society as a whole, but particularly within kids. We're seeing fairly frightening statistics now around um, anxiety and um, just the management of pressure and stress. Um, so, yeah, MindPost started. We worked um, in schools, one of my really good friends, Rosie, um, and I, and it really was just the two of us, you know, suitcases full of mats um, going into schools and eventually programs are built and um, we started more classroom-based activities um, and then we took on we took on too much work, to be fair. Wills made the World Cup um, squad in 2019 and I think I had the most contracts we'd had with MindPose and it um, was a trying time for the kids but um, really sort of solidified the impact that just working in that kind of trifecta of, you know, children, homes, communities and education, it was a, it was a really um, 
exciting time, I think, that people being more open, that there is more than just one way to to grow people. Um, and so I told him, obviously, I was coming back and it was the perfect timing here just for me to come in and join the team that had been created here. Um, and that got us to two years ago. Um, and I think since then, I've... I've definitely learnt more from the community and our team than I ever would have expected. I think we've got a really incredible um, range of people and knowledge and overwhelmingly passion. I think they're all really passionate about people um, and just passing on things that have helped them, things that they've learnt um, and been part of. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Have you um, have you had another panic attack at all? No, I've never had another one. Um, I actually only had two big ones um, and I never understood what panic attacks were. Um, and, and a brief sort of summary of what they are is it's just a chemical imbalance in your blood um, that's brought on by your breath. So at a basic level without going too deep, um, and I'm definitely not the fountain of knowledge here, it's, it is just the lack of carbon dioxide in your blood makes your brain... Um, temporarily deprived of oxygen. So you have that feeling of kind of being completely detached from your body. I had quite severe sort of numbness, almost like I was um, mildly slow reactions and um, really scary. Um, And I thought it was going to be something a lot more serious than that. Um, But I'd never ever known about, um, you know, breathing into your diaphragm or nasal breathing or retention, so holding my breath or sighing. and it was such a simple, you know, weekend course. And then again, just once I had that knowledge, knowing that I had, you know, those things, those things that I could maintain that would avoid that happening again. I think that's the fear after you've had a panic attack is always that you'll have another one. Um, so that in itself was. I, I really remember important. you talking about it, like, <clears throat> and I remember hearing you, you said the same thing just before. Actually, you said like, yeah, breath, like using breath to speak to your brain. And I remember mm-hmm. the first time you said that. I mean, thinking myself, how the hell does that work? Like, yeah. how does your breath? How does impact like manipulating your breath in some way impact your brain? Like it's um, obviously I've learned a lot, of, lot more over the last wee while, and learned other ways that that can be done too. You know, like through your eyes, um, through bodily relaxation. But that whole um, you know breath speaking to your brain. Can you yeah. sort of explain a little bit around yeah. what that is? So the way that we, well, I explained it to my kids, and then obviously with MindPose, it was a big part of it. Is the only way we can speak to our body is. We, we can we can do two things actually. We can genuinely feel a certain way, so how we react, you know, with stimulus or situations, um, or we can actually take control of telling the body how we want to feel or the brain how we want to feel. Um, so the big one is breath is the only way that you can tell your body what chemicals or what hormones you're needing. Um, so things like adrenaline are obviously a cortisol which is a stress hormone, um, but they're also really important for things um, as simple as exercise or right down to getting, you know, the desire to get stuck into a task. Um, but it's just when they are out of balance. And I think the whole concept of O Studio fits in perfectly with that. It is that we're not trying to remove, um, you know, feelings and emotions completely, but we're wanting to understand them so we can mitigate them getting out of balance. That's really cool. Uh, so I suppose like that—that's what was the catalyst for you to come into or come into this type of learning. You know, yeah. learning about how you can impact your sort of health and well-being. And so, over the last two years, as you said before, you've sort of seen a number mm-hmm. of of different people, thousands of different people coming into O Studio and using it for all sorts of different types of reasons. I guess. So, do you have any? Is, how would you describe why people use O Studio from what you've seen? So I think that we have five five main reasons that people would come here. Um, Before we launch into them, though, I think 
the, the thing that is the most exciting about the space are the amount of people that know there is something more. Um, I think over the last two years, so many conversations, so many people that have taught me a lot, um, that have made a massive impact on our whole team um, has been yeah, a privilege and I've absolutely loved the two years I've had in here. Um, but the big buckets um, at, a, at a really but high level, uh, the first one would definitely be stress management. Um, and we say management as opposed to anything else is that we don't want to remove stress. I think stress gets a, a really bad rap and rightfully so. I think there's a lot of people that are really out of balance with their stress um, and stress from a whole range of things. So it can be stress, um, you know, from workload or from family life or just internal or external pressures. Um, but that probably would be the, the biggest bucket that we see. Um, not many people are, are free of that um, and lots of people do really well to balance it, but there are lots of people that, that you know, find themselves burnt out um, or unable to manage the, the symptoms of their stress. You, you talked. Sorry, I just want to ask. You talked about stress there, and you talked about balance, and I think I think that's a really important thing to dig into, just because you know we often consider stress as a negative, mm. right? But stress is also essential, right? Absolutely, and I think that's the biggest. Um, you know, when we when we often enter this kind of world, we well, people can get the wrong impression. I think they can get the sort of impression that we're constantly seeking bliss or happiness. Um, and I think that type of, I don't know, it can be a bit toxic positivity, I think, is that that's not a natural way for humans to be. I think we've got to where we are because of stress. You know, it can be a really positive motivator. It can be the thing that gets you out of bed. Um, but yeah, the balance is what we need to be conscious of. I'd, I'd love to dig into dig into that one a little bit more. So you've, you said there's five, is that right? So there's five. five, yeah. So we'll list them. So we'll go... Well, stress management is obviously first. Yeah. Um, recovery, so that's both mental and physical. Um, main, so maintenance, both mental and physical as well. So that would be the third bucket. And when we say maintenance, this is when we're not in an acute state, but we know that, like me, we have to continue to, to practice and engage in um, things that will stop us from getting back to that acute state. Um, pain management is another big one. Um, depend, if it's age or an injury, um, if it's a condition or, you know, something that's temporary or long lasting, there's a lot of people dealing with a whole range of pain. Um, and I think when we, you know, talk about this in the studio, we're consciously aware that lots of people actually just are sort of resigned to their pain. They just mm. think, you know, I'm at this age, it's normal for me to have a sore back. Um, yeah, so once they get in here, understanding that there's actually a lot you can do for, um, you know, a sore lower back or tight shoulders. Um, the last one, and I think this is the one that um, is is not the biggest bucket, but these are the ones that I think podcasts and information will really help. Um, we call it the three C. So it would be curiosity, connection, and community. So people that are just curious about the space, they may have seen and heard things, you know, through us or somewhere else, um, and they want to come in and see how it feels, what it looks like. Um, people looking for that sense of community. Obviously, there's a whole lot of people feeling the same way as you, potentially. Um, so it's a supportive environment for you to be in starting out on this this wellness journey, if you like, um, and then connection. Um, obviously, one of our core values at O Studio is to connect, um, and I think that's whether it's with the team or with other members, um, it's a big part of why people come. That's really, really cool. That's cool sort of five like really broad reasons as to why someone would come into an O Studio, I guess. And so the first one you touched on a little bit before is stress. And so like if I think about 
what we offer at O Studio, then you've got things like floating or massage or a relaxation recovery space or yoga classes. Everything is conducive to sort of relaxation, I guess. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit around how stress is a good thing a lot of the time, but then what I sort of have found over the years too is like a lot of people are living in this real heightened like heightened state of stress for long periods of time and that has massive impacts on the body over time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, having a, a big bout of stress for a day does does very little to the body. Mm-hmm. In fact, it can be a positive thing. But if you're living in a state of stress for long, long periods of time, that's when things can accumulate over time and, and ultimately your health and well-being really suffers. And so, I mean, do you see what, people are using for stress in here or why? I mean, is that the catalyst? They know yeah. they're stressed and then they come in or what is it? I think lots of people know that they're stressed and they can, or someone else has identified and said, you're stressed, you should go to O Studio or, you know, do something about that. Um, I think meditation is probably, um, oh, it's got an incredible amount of science behind it, obviously the, the impact on stress. And I think the reason that is, is because, and it's like floating, it's like all the other services that we hear, it's just building a self-awareness around it. I think you can easily click into autopilot and continue plugging away at things that are creating stress. Um, but one of the biggest stresses is just how you think. Um, and again, going back to that communication, once the brain is in that state, fight or flight, um, those hormones, those stress hormones are pumping away if you're not aware of that um, and if you don't have that sense of I'm getting out of balance, um, that's when you're in trouble, I think. So stress um, is is a huge part. I think we've, we have a little declaration when people arrive and it's one of the little markers they can give um, and there's not very often you see someone sitting below a five and with stress. Um, we all can also see, talking to the team, that sometimes people arrive um, – really heightened um, and they're frustrated um, and they are really just trying something. So we are often sympathetic with these people um, to to make sure that they can find some tools or some knowledge to help them. Um, physical stress is another big one. I think we had um, with the O partner, the um, corporate membership, uh, the original um, teams that came through, I think a lot of those um, high functioning professionals, um, we had a, a big contract, one of the big employers here in Christchurch, um, people that are on their feet and kind of serving the public all hours, night shifts, um, running at a massive level of stress, both mental and physical and emotional. Um, we had some incredible feedback um, from the, the, the services that they used. Um, did you want me to touch on the services now? Yeah, um, absolutely. The big ones, I think, um, not everyone feels ready to go into a class. So sometimes those private spaces are a nice little segue, particularly if you are really stressed. I think a float um, or a meditation class is off the obvious choice. Um, and obviously what we know about floating is it gives people that space to, to think, basically. Um, so it is often a really great place to start. Um, people physically stressed um, or physically and mentally stressed, the recovery space at a real basic level is just a fantastic place for passive recovery. Um, the normatec leg compression, I think, was the big one that came out of um, this particular group of um, people that were on their feet a lot. Um, so physically exhausted and often mentally exhausted um, and not feeling positive about the environments that they're in for long periods, um, just being able to sit and do something that's benefiting their body, their heart, circulation passively, um, and then give them that headspace where you're in a perfect position to meditate, I think, sitting on a comfy seat. Um, yeah, we had some incredible stories come off the back of that of people just really realising that they were out of balance and that there was things they could be doing to get themselves back in balance. Mm-hmm. And what about 
ice baths with stress because that's kind of the opposite, right? People think about, you know, trying to relieve stress and often they're thinking like, right, I need to relax. An ice bath is nearly like the entire opposite. But can you maybe sort of delve into why that is? This is probably one of my favourites. I I often think Tim's Tim's favourite, I think, would be the floating. But, um, you know, aside from the classes, meditation and yoga, ice baths for me have been incredible. Um, Placing your body in a situation where it does feel stressed um, and then, again, becoming aware of the resilience you can build to make that choice to be in that stress to have positive impact. So we obviously know now the, the levels of dopamine that are released after a nice bath are an incredible byproduct, but I think just the mental um, understanding you gain of being able to sit in that space, really uncomfortable, especially for your first couple, um, and our bars are cold, they're really cold, um, is a great way just to actually test yourself. Um, construct, controlled stress is what it is, mm. and it's it does... It is incredible seeing people on the other side of it, just the pride they have in themselves um, and obviously all the happy hormones that they get on the other side of it too. Mm. It's really interesting, like just real quickly, I mean, I'll get this wrong, but it's um, this is something I heard, I think it was human talking about at one stage, but like, so our body will react to stress, stressful environments in front of us. You know, so say if someone pulls out in front of us, our body will have like a natural reaction to stress. And so, so I've talked a little bit about how sort of, um, you know, using your breathing can sort of mitigate or dampen that, the, the actual response. But so one really interesting thing with an ice bath is when you hop into the ice bath, your body naturally feels like it's, it's, it goes into this real protection mode, a high stress mode effectively. So it's, it's releasing all these hormones into the blood to, to, to fight because it feels like it's under pressure. So it's a stress, a, st- a natural stress response. When you consciously slow your breathing down, especially breathe in and out of your nose when you're in the ice bath, it does, so you've got one thing coming in, external stress, and then you've got your body, you're controlling your breathing to slow that stress response down. It sort of, it, it teaches your body that doesn't have to react to stressful environments in, a, in, a, in an obvious way. Does that make sense? So it's like, I don't have to respond in a stressful way. It's, it's, it's almost training your body that when you're in a stressful space, I can I don't have to react like this internally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. You've almost put what I was going to say into a far better, far better <laughs> sentence. But the way I was sort of taught it by uh, Nigel Beach, shout out to him, but I remember he talked about this sort of being a threshold, right, of stress. And and, and, and when your body crosses that threshold, that's when you, f- you flick into that sort of fight or flight mode, you know, mm-hmm. and your body's trying to figure out how on earth do I survive here. And, and an ice bath, and you know, if I'm, if I'm correct here, is that sort of you're purposely – putting yourself into a, an environment that would naturally try and elevate you above that threshold, mm-hmm. but then you're trying to control that. So it's trying to affect that threshold. So when something happens in everyday life, a, mm-hmm. a child or someone cuts you off or something at work, that threshold is, you've got a bit more training Absolutely. around it. Does that make sense? It's like anything. I think the when we think about, you know, if you want a strong core, um, you know, you, you do exercises to create a strong core and it's the same thing with resilience or tolerance to stress. They are things that we can train um, and that's the most exciting thing about people that are working in that space, um, passing on that knowledge because, you know, not very long ago we had no idea about this um, and I think that's, that is part of why these have been so popular is that people genuinely feel the benefits um, and then they can keep coming back and working out that part of them that could be stronger. Well, it's been really interesting. Like I've got this whoop 
and that's been massively, it's a, it's a wearable um, sort of ch- tracks a, a few key things. Like what the first one's strain, the second one's sleep, and the third one's recovery, which is quite interesting. They're your three metrics that it's tracking, and it's, um, it's, it's your own personalised health device effectively. Um, we've got nothing to do with it, obviously. I'm not trying to pump it, go and buy a whoop, but it's been massively huge for me because it's sort of, it's shown me firsthand exactly what I've sort of felt. You know, and so like when things are really stressful at work, I've got lots going on. I see how my stress levels are higher and my recovery is lower, my sleep quality quality's worse. And over time that compounds on itself and I bet the sleep debt builds up and my recovery keeps on dropping and I'm wondering why I'm feeling crap, you know. But yeah, so so learning the ability to turn on that relaxation response, which is the opposite of the fight or flight mode. So the fight or flight mode is your stress response, which is you all need, and you know, these times of the day that you want that and these activities that, that you want that. But when you're in that mode, you're not digesting food well, you're not, you know, you're not going through cell reju- um, you know, rejuvenation, um, you're not healing effectively. Mm-hmm. And so um, you've got to have you've got to have the ability to activate that relaxation mode. And and when you're high stress, even in the middle of sleep, you won't be able to turn on that mode as effectively. And so yeah, once again, over time, those things can mount up and really hurt you. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I stress, like you look at the environment and the lives that we lead, right? Like, there's no way that stress is going to, at least for the foreseeable future, be something that doesn't affect the majority of people, right? Yeah, mm. it is, and I think it is a, a really um, important message for people to understand is, you know, there's nothing wrong with healthy levels of stress. Um, so I think it is, you know, those controlled environments have been. A, a massive learning for me. I think I've never been in baths this cold as regularly as I do here, obviously, um, but they help a lot with all things. Yeah, mm. and stress. And so stress, obviously, the first one. Um, the second bucket as far as why people are using our studio is recovery. Recovery, yeah. And this is such a spectrum, I think. Um, I get so excited talking about this type of stuff because it is it is how we talk to members when they come in or, you know, people that are new to the space and, and wanting to, to understand a bit more of what we do. And recovery can look as simple as someone that's, you know, been gardening all weekend and they've got really tight shoulders, um, you know, through to someone that's recovering from, um, you know, some sort of injury. So it could be quite serious. Um, and then there's people that are, are needing to recover faster. So they may have, may have a, a job that demands you know, builders, um, nurses, the whole lot. Um, and then, you know, at the other end, we've got sort of professional athletes. I think Wills has been um, running around for about 16, 16 years. Um, and I think this is why I'm so passionate about it, is there's so many things that people aren't aware of that they can be doing differently that will alleviate a lot of pain. Um, and obviously that's an extreme version as a professional athlete, but um Everyday people, like the lack of mobility, bone density, you know, how we posture ourselves, how we breathe, um, they will all make for a a more pain-free, you know, later years. Um, You know, I'm 38 and I think if I sleep with the incorrect pillow between my knees and, you know, turn wrong in the night, I'm susceptible now for some some pain in the morning. But, um, you know, knowing how to stretch out, knowing how to move and keep yourself mobile is is massive. Um, Recovery for me here is both um, physical, so obviously we touched on that, but it also is mental. Um, A lot of people everywhere are dealing with a lot of heavy things. So we have um, a a lot of people that come um, after a a different sort of life event, I suppose, a lot of grief, um, diagnosis with illness, um, you know, change in their their life. Um, A lot of people that are, are dealing with pain, in different ways than physical. 
Mm. Mm. I think the spectrum thing is sort of interesting or most surprising, I guess, to me is that, you know, there's literally people that can use the same space, you know, from whether you've, like you said, had a terminal illness diagnosis and you're just trying to find some peace in that final stage of your life or right through to athletes sort of trying to find that extra sort of, you know, 1%, I guess, that makes a difference. And the sort of, the space is sort of designed to be able to help everyone a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. It's um, a lot of these practices cross over lots of buckets. Um, So recovery is, yeah, it is broad in here. You you don't have to give any like specific examples of people, but like, you know, if you were to think of like, is is there someone that you think of when I say like, you know, someone that's had a really positive response in physical recovery? And then a real positive response in that sort of mental recovery space. Is there? there is. There was, it wasn't long after I started um, and I was at the front desk um, with, with one of our managers out there and a lady walked up the stairs and she did not look happy or comfortable. Um, so straight away the so people pleaser in me jumped up and tried to make sure that she felt really welcome and we knew it was her first time trying out our recovery space with the, the Normatec leg compression. Um, and she was quite short and quite standoffish. She seemed frustrated, obviously, in a lot of pain. Um, so we put her down in the recovery space. She gets a wee pot of tea and, um, you know, parks up there with the, the pants on. Um, and we left her for the first 15 minutes, went down and checked on her. And then she's she's told us that she's had a construction of her ankles in one of her knees. She did quite a bad accident and she was in acute pain. Like it was just, you can see it all over her face, her eyes. Um, she was dealing with you know, a really severe um, discomfort constantly. Um, anyway, so she signed up for the O Recover, which gives her unlimited use of that space. Um, and she came pretty much every single day. Um, and after about day three, she there was a change. She was, you know, quite a lot more friendly and um, was quite forthcoming with the fact that after she'd leave here, she would have sort of bigger windows of not completely free of the pain, but a, a, a massive relief in the pain that she was experiencing. Um, and she was with us for about eight months. Um, and just the change in every single part of her, I think, she became kind of part of the furniture. Um, we all got to know lots of things that she was going through and, you know, how she got to be in the, um, the situation that she was with the pain. And then to the point where one day she came up and said it had just made such a massive impact on her life. She was actually leaving the studio. She was no longer a member and she was forking out thousands of dollars to buy the Normatec trousers herself. Um, that made such an impact on her pain um, and her life, I think. She'd really got that part of herself back. Um, she's gone out and bought them herself. So we lost her. So it's not a great story. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, they're the things that give the team um, and all of us just such a massive lift, knowing that there is... Um, there are things that can genuinely make people's lives better. Do you notice around the, the sort of the big events around Christchurch, around the sort of marathon times or the city to surf or the, you know, if there's any big sporting events that are going on, that you, you see any spike in sort of the, the physical recovery usage yeah, in the space or I not so much? There definitely is. And I think the, the awareness for athletes around recovery is a lot bigger than just general society. So I think people understand um, if you're training a lot, um, you need to be recovering a lot. Um, so if you're going into those, pushing into those competitive, um, you know, parts of whatever it is that you're doing, you do have that understanding. If you aren't prioritising recovery, there's every chance an injury is around the corner for you. Um, so definitely coast to coast. I think we had the winner of the coast to coast um, individual means last year. He's um, was a studio user. Um, and people like that, they understand that that that's gives them that edge to train harder, longer. Um, but I think that the big one is it's not so much a lift around events. It's 
there's just more and more people realising you don't have to be a professional athlete, you don't have to be, you know, pursuing a huge challenge or task um, to benefit from recovery. Um, and the other people I find the most exciting, it's, you know, someone that's just got back into running um, and they're hooting or they've got a bike and they're, you know, smashing the hills and they're sore. Um, so I think those recovery users, uh, they are a huge part of the space for physical recovery. Just sorry, yeah, Maddie. No, I was just saying, I, I think that, you know, as you get older, it's not just those elite people, it's just as you get older, I'm 37 as well. And, you know, like you do things now that you used to do 10 years ago and, you know, you wouldn't even blink an eye at it. And now, you know, if you want to be able to. Grunting as you stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah um, 100%. But, you know, you, you do, you know, things that you used to be able to do and you just don't. Your next day you find you're sore, yeah. you know. And if you want to be able to do that again consistently, you have to be able to do something. And traditionally, you know, if someone's thinking about, you know, trying to recover physically, you know, like the mindset was just like, oh, stretch. Yeah. You know, and like a massage would be the extreme, like if you yeah. want to do something. But now there's so much, so many different ways that people can recover physically, at least, you know, not in that sort of high performance space. Yeah. And this is, I think, a, a perfect parallel to the previous point in that, you know, if you are wanting to get the most out of your body physically, you're obviously train and then you recover. If you're wanting to get yourself the most out of yourself mentally, you can also train and engage in all the life stress and all the things, but you also need to recover. So it always just comes back to balance. Um, and that is, I think we have a massive range of users, um, people that are being diagnosed with things like hypermobility or um, any autoimmune condition right down to recovering from a surgery. Um, they come to us after their acute phase often, um, or they're coming to us to recover and or to maintain. Um, I remember um, Simon Thomas, he was our uh, Crusaders strength and conditioning, so head, head of strength and conditioning. He used to talk about this a lot with the Crusaders. So you'd do like a training session, like a hard a hard training session, and say you did, you know, you got 10 out of 10 in that session you know, in terms of what you're pushing your body through. If your recovery was at 7 out of 10, you'd effectively absorb sort of 70% of the potential of that session. If you had, If you did like a if you got six out of 10 in terms of strain or pushing yourself through a session and you had six out of 10 in your recovery at six times six, so 36% of the potential of that session. So the goal really was to try and get a 10 out of 10 sort of push and a 10 out of 10 recovery so you could absorb sort of 100% of the benefits. So it's quite an interesting way to look at it. I think most of us, me, me included, always looked at things like if you're not pushing, if you're not doing something that's pushing, then you're not getting any benefits, whereas it's actually... It's actually that's when the muscle growth happens. That's mm. when the recovery actually happens. Is when you're in that rest and recovery phase. So yeah, yeah it's quite interesting. Mm. A concussion was actually one that helped me. I sort of, I guess, they could put that under mental recovery. Yeah, so absolutely. I got, got knocked out and yeah, that's a, a big one for people coming in, particularly for floating. There's huge benefits with concussion with flotation, um, and it's an interesting one actually. We had, um, I think, our youngest concussion float user was eight. He's eight years old, and we could only have him in the tank for a reduced time period. Um, and really awesome kids, like um, busy, physical, like quite active, and we didn't really know how the float would go for him, but um, that was it was huge. And I think just placing yourself again into that environment where rest is actually the priority, you're prioritising it, you're in a space that's um, zero stimulus, obviously. Um, yeah, it's really conducive for lots of modes to recover from, but concussion being a huge one. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's, so we've got stress management. We talked about that. Recovery, both mental and physical. And then the next one is maintenance. And this is why I remember you told me about this. And this is the one that stood out to me because I didn't quite know what it meant, but physical and mental maintenance. Yeah. So the maintenance phase is, um, I think, personally, from experience, one of the, the most important phases. Often when we have um, something, something big happen, an injury or a big life change, and it's created all that stress or that acute pain or whatever is the outcome from that, um, we will prioritise this type of thing. Um, but then quickly, once we feel a bit better, we'll not prioritise it anymore. Um, and I think, you know, consistency here is really one of the most important things. It's like anything, you can't you know, go for one run and become a runner. Um, you can't, you know, feel as, as well as you can feel without consistently maintaining those practices. Um, and I think the users of the space um, or anyone that engages in this sort of, um, you know, staff is they're aware how much better they feel when they are consistently maintaining these habits or building them into habits. Um, so mental maintenance for me is gaining some understanding and some knowledge and then building a practice around it and creating it into a habit. So you haven't just, you know, taken something and responded and reacted to a, a sin- single instance, you're actually doing things that will hopefully help you avoid getting back to that acute phase again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I find the same, similar sort of things, you know, like, like you said, with injury, like we just see it a lot. Like if, if someone does their knee, for example, broadly does their knee, injures their knee, and the physio gives them some exercises, they work really hard to get back to their like point, you know, their normal point, that yeah. sort of like level, and then they stop doing it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm guilty of this as well, right? But it's like, if you kept doing it, then say if you're at a zero, zero is your sort of like, you know, normal level, yeah. and you injure it and you drop down to like a minus three, you know, then people work really hard to get back to zero, but then stop doing it. And it's like, well, what if your knee or muscles were a bit stronger and you could get to plus three? Like, what would that look like? 100%. And yeah. that's, I think that's the, the difference between people that um, have that understanding and that that don't yet. Um, it is it is the understanding of you have to continually engage and, and practice those those skills to, to broaden that knowledge to get the benefits. Mm-hmm. It, it is similar to, um, you know, physical growth is, you know, if you, if you want to to build muscle or strength, you do have to continue to lift those weights. Um, so it is, there are lots of parallels between Do you think, mental do you maintenance. think like, because I, I think about this as well, so you've got like mental and physical maintenance is what we're speaking about here. Like does performance fit into this slightly or not? I'm not too sure. Like, because the way I sort of see this as well, like I use floating for both recovery, like you've talked about recovery, but I will also use it for what I would see as performance. So like for me for a long time, it was all around visualization. Like I'd be in the in the tank and I'd be like literally playing the game. Like I'd be standing there watching Richie kick the ball off, I'd be chasing, I'd be up, I'd be back and almost feeling that. And that for me was like a way to train my mind and it was all towards performance. Yeah. And then like, you know, being in a sauna or pushing myself through that sort of pain of, a, of the heat or jumping into the cold, I feel like I'm sort of, you know, working towards performance, like maintenance, because the way you've described it, Maddie, is, you know, the recovery gets you back to zero and then the maintenance sort of keeps you well, I guess, keeps you above that. Yeah. And I think it's only probably a small part of our market. Like more of our market are just trying to look after themselves, you know, just trying to feel better, a little bit better every day or every week or every month. Definitely. I think performance is a, is a massive one. Um, and I think there's, you know, high performance for me would be showing up as the best mum that I can mm. um, or making sure that we, are, you know, 
working hard to build and create the things that we're wanting to to do. So I think high performance is often something that people think is, you know, elusive of themselves. Um, someone that has probably never been a high performer, I can happily say that, um, you know, I have found that I do have a real passion and desire to be high performing in lots of parts of life that are really normal. Yeah. Um, I think being a, being a really content, good person um, doesn't come naturally to, to all of us. Um, I think making sure that you are maintaining parts of yourself, whether it is physical, mental, so you can perform the best you can um, at your own life. Mm. You know, you don't, you know, we don't, we only have a small window of time really. Um, and I think losing it to things, you know, mental or physical, losing time just to, to seek out doing as well as you can, um, the mental maintenance bucket is for everybody. I think mm. once you're aware of the parts of yourself that you do want to strengthen and continue to grow, um, that's where mental maintenance comes in. Um, for me, it absolutely is meditation. I think um, if I if I don't meditate at least once a day, twice a day, um, and uh, just to chuck it out there, I am the sort of person that people would not think meditates. I speak really quickly. I'm quite highly strung. I'm a bit sort of, you know, uh, easily <laughs> oh, <yeah>. agitated. <laughs> um, but without that, it can quickly spiral into me attaching my thoughts to things that, you know, will capture me for hours and I'll stew over and I'll lie in bed thinking about um it, it's it is just maintaining and building that that muscle for mm. me um and I think it is a lot of people I think a lot of people you know they they are just wanting to be the best version of themselves in their own lives um whether that's on a big scale or a small scale um yeah so maintaining those practices is is huge I, I think a lot of people see the value in it like physically you know a lot of people that go to the gym or out running like aren't training for the Olympics yeah. or like to compete professionally they're doing it because of what it I say buys them in the rest of their life yeah. you know that, that, that physical the ability to you know just to just to feel well or be strong or fit and lift your children up or whatever it is and then you know mentally often exercise is a real you know some time to yourself you know Absolutely. and I think that um you know, like I would certainly fall into that, you know, maintenance area of, of, you know, my physical activity. But I think a lot of people are probably the same with mental activity. Absolutely. Right? And the hard thing about um, mental maintenance is it's, it can be really boring. I think when people first kind of think, okay, I've heard meditation's good, I'll give it a go. It's actually, it is really hard to, to just sit with your breath you know, for 10 minutes. Um, and I think there's a fantastic book um, by Light Watkins. It's called Bliss More. Um, and it's a really fantastic beginner's guide to how you can implement the meditation practice. Um, and I, for me, it was, I saw Light down in um, London um, and it was just the simplicity and the ease and the accessibility of meditation that I really enjoyed there. Um, obviously, your practice progresses from there, um, but we do want to make sure that O Studio particularly is, if you've never done anything like this and you are thinking, I've heard it's good, I'll give it a go, um, this is a great place to start. Um, meditation is definitely one of the most boring things that you can do to begin with though. And I think people fall away and they're like, oh, I'm not good at it. I've got a really busy mind. It's not for me. Um, that's exactly who it's for. It really is just finding that window of space in your thoughts and bringing it back to your breathing. That's all it is. Um, and just like anything at the gym, you know, one rep is better than none. Um, so it is just starting small and building up and then feeling the benefits or seeing the benefits or changes in yourself later on in your day or week. 
Mm. That, that rep thing for me, I mean, I still remember this because the thing that really got me over the line to try meditation was like I was listening and reading books and listening to podcasts and, and so many people that I really respected were talking about meditation as like mm. a fundamental part of their life. It was just like time and time again, people would bring up meditation. I'd be like, what is this? Medita- like I, I, I tried a few times. I was like, this is a waste of time. I'm literally just thinking about dinner. I'm just thinking about what's happening with Laura or the girls or something. I'm like, this is genuinely a waste of time. I can't do it. Um, and it wasn't until it was, it was re-sort of worded to me around what it is that you're actually doing. And you said reps before, and it's exactly the way it was explained to me. So the, what, what the, what, the way it was explained was, say if I do a 10-minute meditation and say if I you know, start thinking about dinner, you know, and then I, as soon as I catch myself thinking about dinner and come back to my breath, which is just focusing on breathing in for four seconds and out for four seconds and for four seconds out, that's all I was doing. But every time I caught myself somewhere else and came back to that, that's like a rep in the gym. So if I, for a 10-minute meditation, then I might have done 10 reps of like catching myself somewhere else and coming back to where I wanted to be. And that there is the work, because like that there, what that's doing is it's teaching yourself to be present. It's like, if you want to be with your kids, 100% present with your kids, you know, distraction, thinking about what happened yesterday, what's going to happen, that's not present, that's not, and so you can never get the most out of a moment if you're not 100% present in that moment. I'm not, I'm not 100% present in every single moment, I'll drift in and out, but the more present you can be, more often, the more you're going to get out of those moments, mm. whether it be on a field, or with your, you know, your 12 or 13 year old daughter who's sneaking out, you know, like, <laughs> so it's sort of, um, I don't know, that, that was a good thing for me. It was like, I actually reframed it, like, yeah. cool, I'm training. And what happened over time for me was my reps got lower and lower through a session, you know, a 10 minute session of meditation, there might be zero reps, I'm not far out. I'm, I'm right on here, I'm bloody, I'm nailing this meditation thing. And one, th- I can't remember who it was that was talking about it, but they talked about the, ben- it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was talking about, he went through this massive team style meditation like 30 years ago. And the guy asked him, like, do you, how long did those benefits last? He said that still, he still feels the benefits of meditation today. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, because I'm, I'm not as diligent with my meditation practices, what you've talked about now, I, I, I try and get maybe two in a week if I can. There'll be weeks that I won't do anything. If I'm real stressed, I like, there'll be a notification that will come to me like, Tim, you need to go do something. So I'll go do something. But um, I, I definitely notice that I still get the benefits of meditation through, you know, a big practice a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like my, I've, I've learned, my body's learnt, my breathing has learnt to pull myself into a moment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so again, it comes back to that knowledge and awareness, I think, of just, you know, you've, you understand the benefits, so you know that they're there and you know how you can access them. So I think when you are stressed, you know, if you've done a breath, if, if you've done breath work, you think, okay, breathing. If you've done meditation, you think I could, you know. Mm. So it is. It all just comes back to that knowledge, I think. I think the biggest point, I guess, just to wrap this up on maintenance is that a lot of the other stuff we're talking about is reactive, mm. you know, like the managing stress, recovery, pain management, all that kind of stuff. It's reactive. It's like, well, if something's happened, then like what can I do to recover or feel better from it? But the the mental maintenance and why I think this probably makes up such a big part of the sort of studio community is because – you can actually be proactive, kind of like training for something before you need it. You Absolutely. know, like it's better to have the skill set or better to have the the control of your um, stress response before you need it rather than 
because you need it, right? Yeah, the top of the cliff rather than the bottom. And I think that is the that is the huge part of the exciting conversations that you have. And I think every single person that comes in, um, they also hopefully then go away feeling different. And that that's what's created this whole ripple effect. I think that's why we have so many people through the door is people feel the difference and that mental maintenance has become a much more um, important part of people's lives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, point number four is pain management. Now, this is probably, you know, it's pretty specific, it's reactive, but um, it's a lot of people, right? It's a lot of people. And sadly, it is a lot of people. I think this is um, where, again, I always come back to the team, but um, it's such an important part of the studio because they do, they really are the face of us. um, And so we have complete trust. They will respond and react and facilitate that environment for people that are dealing with, you know, stuff that is is really hard. Um, So acute acute pain obviously or pain management comes in different forms and we have a lot of people with um, autoimmune conditions or um, they're dealing with kind of a lifelong condition um, that does create a need for them to to maintain or manage acute pain um, one of my favorite members we've had I love I love them all but um, he had a terribly sore knee um, and it was he was waiting for surgery and he'd never done cold uh, immersion before um, and he started and was a really regular user and it was really helping with the inflammation and his, his management and tolerance of the pain um, and we're still hoping, or we haven't seen him out the other side of his operation, but we have people like that um, right down to different forms of arthritis, which is a big one. Um, I think hypermobility is something I, I didn't know enough about, and we have a lot of people that have that condition. What is hypermobility? So it's, it's when the body can't stabilise itself, essentially. So um, we, we had a, she was a legend, actually. She was a, um, a BMX rider. And she did a lot of injuries for a lot of different things and she finally got diagnosed. Um, so she worked uh, heavily with um, Jess Smith, our, our yoga lead in here, with stability around her joints. Um, so aligned classes um, and did a lot of cold baths. Um, and again, just the feedback from those people, um, it is definitely what gives the team and us you know, energy just to think, okay, this is the right path. There's an overwhelming amount of people that deal with a lot of um, different forms of pain. Um, and so having, having a space where we can help them to manage it is, mm. is awesome. This is a slightly different one, but I remember <clears throat> this is at Cloud9. Um, There's a guy that was coming in and floating really regularly and, and his background was building. Um, so he was a builder for a long, long, long time and he had just massive back pain. So it was an older guy um, and so much so like he, he and this is a weird this is a, I don't understand how pain works because I know pain is in the brain it's not actually in the joint you know so if you've got a sore knee the pain is actually in your head which is so strange but anyway he would have he'd put on steel cap boots and he'd, his pain would come back in his back so it was like this sort of this link between like inactivity or something that he was doing was sort of re-triggering the pain that he was going through. And so the lady he was working with was a pain specialist and she was actually getting him to come in and float. And so he was he was using floating specifically t- mm. towards back pain and sort of breaking that cycle of like the same thing, like there's a trigger and therefore there's going to be a response. And so you know, the steel cap boots would come into Toe Studio and, oh, sorry, into Cloud9 and he'd be floating. And he floated, I don't know, 100, 150 times, you know, and just absolutely loved it. He loved the ocean. He'd have the ocean sounds playing in the background. I haven't seen him for a long time. I'm hoping I'm hoping that it's still like that. But it was quite interesting hearing it from a different side, mm. like someone's trying to sort of break a cycle of pain through 
flotation therapy, which is yeah. quite cool. I think with pain, especially as you start to get older, is that a lot of time like we try and normalize it, mm. right? You just think like, oh, I'm, I'm 30 this now, I'm 40 this now, I'm over my, you know, whatever, like uh, my back sore, it's kind of is what it is. But uh, like it doesn't have to be like that. And I think that normalizing symptoms is, is a really dangerous thing, you know? Totally agree. I think that is a, a, a massive kind of shift generationally I think we've got better at being like actually why is this the way that I need to feel at this age mm. um, and again knowledge of just that it, it's not you know it's sort of a use it or lose it type situation often um, and if you haven't been breathing or moving you know in a way that's benefiting the body for periods of time you will start to get sore um, and I think that's that's definitely a huge I think sore backs sore lower back would be Pretty much every yoga class, there's a whole lot of people in here with a sore lower back. Um, and it is just learning to move and breathe in different ways, gaining that knowledge, maintaining it, avoiding those acute moments of pain in particular. Yeah, well, guilty because <laughs> about four hours ago, I was lying on the floor stretching my back. <laughs> Tim, Tim was trying to ask what I was up to. Um, that's four, pain management. Fifth one is, I guess, interesting. First one's curiosity, connection and community. So. Yeah, this one I think is a cool one. I think a lot of people um, would have heard or they might have been given like a, a gift voucher or um, heard directly from our sort of marketing or somewhere else of these things being beneficial to people. So often they're coming in here just to say, you know, what's this all about? Um, if you do come in, obviously the team will give you a, a tour and speak you through the services and um there's different ways that you can try things. If you are curious, the intro offer being, I think, the best one. Um, but curiosity is a big, big part of it. And I think people are curious about how they could feel or what it could benefit. Mm. Um, so that that's a, a huge one. Um, connection, I think people, you know, if you're doing anything, some of us feel like it is more enjoyable if other people are they doing it with you? You know, it's the same reason you'd work out at a gym as opposed to working out at home as being surrounded by people that are of a like mind or a like goal um, is is important. Um, so connection and community, similar, but I think the community side of it is that I think as people often we keep a lot of these things we're concerned about to ourselves, um, which kind of does perpetuate that feeling of angst or um, acceptance that we're just, you know, this is the way that it is. I've just got to knuckle down and get on with it. Um, and when you are around people that are talking about these things, you realise it's absolutely not. Um, so it's a support system, but it's also a way that people can gain knowledge, us, us included. I think we constantly learn from feedback and people's stories and what they're doing and um, yeah. The, curi the curiosity thing for me is so good. Like that is actually spot on. Like, and I reckon there's two different stages there. Like for some people, they've never tried anything. Mm. And so they're curious as to what a float session would look like or feel like or what it would be like or being in a sauna or ice bath session or trying a class. So curious without trying it. And then these people like me that do an experience and then become really curious as to where you can take it. Yeah. You know, like after my first float, just being like, holy, like, man, what can I, how can I use this? Yeah. Well, I learned once again, understanding how meditation, like really curious there and how it can actually help. And so like, yeah, there's some people that are curious and want to try something, but then there's people that try something maybe two or three times and think, man, I, I, know, I know where I, I can, so I'm curious as to where I can take this, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, with the availability of things like podcasts now, like people are listening to different people and yeah. someone will talk about an ice bath or a, the sauna and, and those are things that, you know, not necessarily you have, you know, accessibility to in your backyard and so. Well, I mean, even just as a purely marketing level, like we know there's around sort of, there's, there's over 2,000 people a month in Christchurch that search yoga near me. 
you know, like that, that's curious, like, curious, like, like one that like, so they're obviously there's something in them that's thinking maybe, maybe I should do yoga or maybe I should do Pilates. We're seeing the increasing in searches for, so, for saunas, for ice baths, floating. all these things are going up month on month on month. And so, yeah, curiosity is, I suppose, triggered off, yeah, as you say, hearing something or seeing yeah. something. Or yeah. It's an exciting time, I think, in this <clears> space, <throat> just because the, you know, the mainstream approach to this type of thing is becoming more broad. Um, going right back to the beginning, my intro story, that one of the the doctor that I saw after these first couple of panic attacks, um, his wife's been a member here since I think not long after we opened. Um, and she's a GP, she's fantastic, uh, specialises with women, an incredible amount of obviously medical knowledge, but you know, she's a 6 a.m. He- Aima here, you know, six days a week. Um, so the fact that there are people moving in a highly medical circle mm. that know the benefits of this type of stuff, I think is so exciting. And I'm so grateful that there is more and more knowledge and science supporting yeah. all these practices because it has made it, you know, approachable for the mainstream. It's no longer something woo-woo that is kind of, that's not for me. Um, people are, are open to trying to find that, you know, next thing that can help. Yeah, and I think that the what's driving that is the the way our worlds are evolving, right? Mm. You know, like the life that we live now is completely different to that of our parents or our grandparents, you know, and I think along with that, you know, those extra, you know, there's advantages, but there's disadvantages from that as well. Yeah. And along with that, we also have to make sure we're, you know, exploring different ways to take care of ourselves because as you always say, Tim, you know, 50 years ago, there wasn't really the need for gyms, right? Because people were pretty active in their jobs. There was only really physical jobs. And, um, you know, our vision is that in 50 years, people will find it hard to comprehend that there weren't places like this. And I think that's just understanding that life's different now and we need to look at different services, different modalities to try and stay healthy and well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think when we looked at all of these, you know, five, um, five reasons and understanding that people overlap and intersect, probably all five at some point. The overarching thing is why people use O-Studio, I think, um, is hope. It's hope for feeling better, both physically and mentally, and it's the hope that things can be different. You know, with a little bit of knowledge, there is hope that you can, you know, not have to feel that way again, or you can have, um, you know, a little bit more control over how you react to situations. Um, So I think it is what it provides, and it it is how often it feels in here, and I think that's probably what brings um, the fun when there is fun in here, and it is what brings the heart. I think all of the staff believe that, you know, it, it can be different for people if they, you know, put in the time and have the intention. Yeah, and I think overall, you know, even above that, it's like people just feel good, right? Yeah, like, you know, I, I'd struggle to find anyone, you know, that would walk out of here and not feel better than when they went in. Yeah. Right? And I guess that's kind of the idea of the podcast, right? Explore the art of feeling better. Yeah, I love it. And that's sort of what O-Studio is, I guess. It's trying to provide, you know, a service and uh, an opportunity for people to try and manage, you know, maybe one of those five buckets or maybe something completely different as well. And, you know, we've always got the studio here in Christchurch, but, you know, one of the reasons that we're, you know, evolving and growing is so we can help, you know, offer these services to people in different parts of the country. And the good news is that I guess we're franchising, right? And we're growing faster around the country. So if you're listening and you are keen to, um, you know, come and have a look, then all I can recommend you do is jump on to ostudio.co.nz and find out when a studio is opening near you and uh, come and try us out, right? Absolutely. We'd love to see you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to another O Studio podcast. 
If you like this podcast, there is one thing you can do to help us out, and that is to click the follow button wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you could do that for us, it would mean so much. Our purpose at our studio is to make holistic wellness as accepted, as understood, and as practiced as physical fitness. If you want to join us on this journey, come and visit us at a location near you. Visit ostudio.co.nz for all the details. Own the moment.